0: Hello and welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast, my name is Cara Kearney and I am your host. Hello and welcome to Book of Leaves, an Irish podcast where I interview people that are doing something good for the planet and the whole idea is we can take a leaf out of the guest book to add to our own way of living and in this episode we are going to be chatting to Tom Butler, who is a big picture thinker. This is really going to inspire some new thoughts and really just... Maybe even inspire a sense of awe and wonder at how the world works and how lucky we are to be here. So I think there's no better episode than to end season five on and of course to begin the new year. Happy new year to you. I hope you have all had a lovely Christmas or if you had a lovely holiday, whatever way you were spending the last two weeks. You might be able to hear from my voice, but I'm a little bit under the weather I have like this really chesty cough um that I'm controlling for this um podcast and I hope it clears up soon. Uh after I release this episode, I will of course been going on a 3 month hiatus from the podcast. I hibernate myself a little bit. And what I've been doing the last uh the last year is I I went traveling a little bit. So I'm actually going to go traveling in January, which is this month now. I'm actually leaving for Kenya tomorrow. And I'm going to go on a safari trip. Oh, lads. I'm so excited. I can't wait. I I can't. Oh, I'm just so excited. I'm going on a, a safari to, to the Mara. Then we're, I'm just going to like travel around. And then I'm going to head to the East Coast. And go to a monkey sanctuary to volunteer for two weeks. So I'm so excited. And I'll be posting about that on my socials and all. Um, I've absolutely been up the walls trying to get loads of stuff ready before we leave so my social media has been a bit quiet now but I'll be posting still on that but I just won't be releasing any episodes after this one until March most likely and I already have loads of ideas and people that I've been trying to get on the podcast for that so if you've any suggestions and tips of course let me know this episode Tom is um as I said big picture thinker he's got a very very interesting past and as he says himself he comes from a very privileged line and he gave up the high life probably he gave up such a high life to work with the soil and work organically and, as I said, to kind of inspire discussion and critical thinking in people. So that's what the organisation that him and his wife, Pam, their organisation is called Astria. That's kind of what that works with. And they offer classes and things like that. Um, they grow organic uh, fruit and veg on their farm in in Tullo and they gave me some gorgeous apple juice that I drank over to Christmas and it was absolutely gorgeous it was so lovely and as well as classes and obviously the farm work that they do they have a couple of different books one of which we talk about is called Feast Upon the Earth which is basically a book version of an exhibition that they did at Emma this year where they looked at like a timescape a timeline from life to now from no life to now so obviously from when there was nothing all the way up to humans all the way up to 2023 so um that's what we chat about there and yeah I think that's everything it was really hard to kind of time stamp this conversation because we just flowed from one topic into the other but you'll find a rough idea in the show notes below and any books um and that that we mentioned will be listed there and their website and socials as well so yeah before we move on of course I would also like to call on you to send me a voice note or an email with an attached voice note to uh, podcast at gmail.com with your input for episode 100 that will be starting out the next season. I would love to hear if you have taken on a leaf from the podcast throughout the years or in the last season, how it has affected you or, you know, if you've put a pond in the garden, has it um, attracted a frog or, you know, I would love to hear a leaf from one of our guests You know, if you want to say plug a guest that inspired you particularly, please do. Also, I would love to hear if there hasn't been a leaf on the podcast that you would like to share. Please do send in a voice note or just send in an email or a message, and I can read it out. Everyone who sends in something, no matter whether you're featured in the episode or not, I'm going to put you on to a little draw on you because they're going to get a little a small hamper as a token of gratitude to celebrate how long that the podcast has been running and all the great work that you're doing because of course this is the great work is not just happening with the guests it's all the listeners because you guys are listening to all these suggestions and making them and making the changes of them in your life so so please do send any of those into me on socials uh, if you have my whatsapp you can message me or send me an email I would love to hear from you You've a couple of months now to get that in to me. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for being here. And I will hand the mic over to Tom and I'll catch you again at the end of the episode for some very quick show notes. It's lovely
1: to be here. I think I fall into a, a sort of unusual boxes. In fact, I'm not in any box, um, really. Um, I can descri- I describe myself in a formal way as a system change entrepreneur and a meta systems theorist. And of course, that doesn't really mean anything to anybody. <laughs> but it's a way for me to describe my professional approach to life, although my approach to life is mostly just to live it. But what does system change entrepreneur mean? It means that I try new things, that's the entrepreneur bit, um, hopefully with some commercial element, but a new way of doing things. But it's a new way, a new system. So uh, examples would be, um, for example, the way we grow food. Yeah. Organic, that would be an alternative approach. Uh, And we were organically certified for 10 years and we still grow clean food, we just don't do the certification process. Mm. Um, Other approaches might be uh, you know, how you run, run a business, I think that's very important. Um, and that, I think, is going to have to change in the future, the ownership structures and, and so on. For example, I, we set up a, an organic vegetarian restaurant in London in 2000, which must have been one of the first of the kind. And that was just on a shoestring in an old s- space that was going to be sold. But it was a chance for us to try it out. So that's yeah. the entrepreneur and the system changes doing it differently. Alternative energies. Um, this is the first year we're nearly fossil fuel free in our heating system because oh, i put exciting. in a, a boiler stove yeah. in the open fireplace and took out the oil burning thing and and now we're basically putting wood in that and it's tickling land and it's it's changed the house Amazing. and our costs have actually gone down so it's kind of fringe and we try different things. And the meta systems idea, the theorist, yeah. is just trying to observing life and saying, okay, how do things really work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that was the biggest part of what we did when we changed course. 20, 25 years ago and decided we want to do things differently.
0: Great. So when you say we, obviously people can't see her here because she's not here. Your partner, Pam, (laughs) who uh, also lives with you and engages in a lot of this like systems thinking and teaching with you, with your team. It's like...
1: you know the call and response oh, you know it's yeah. not and we learn from each other because we're making mistakes all of the time yeah but we're i guess operating on a, a values trying to move in a positive direction yeah. move from a sort of survival dynamic to a thriving dynamic
0: yeah which i think a lot of people just don't realize we can get to so it's lovely and i think having those connections and relationships. Are really helpful uh, in in just nourishing us as well as inspiring us, and yeah, it's interesting to hear how long you've been working on the things that you have. So I guess you're saying that you, there there was some kind of change twenty twenty five years ago. So mm. would you have been like eco conscious for want of a better term before that? Like who or what inspired? you to kind of to realize that the problem is as big as it is and to do something about it or like were you always that way inclined
1: a bit of both you know I've had opportunity to reflect on what's happened but the reality is that when I say we changed course from the outside it looked like an abrupt change Mm. I think my parents are still wondering what on earth I was thinking (laughs) (laughs) and my parents in law as well and possibly Pam Mm. Um, but in the context of my approach to life, it was reasonably consistent. I guess I had a very lucky um, upbringing. I saw a lot of different things. I come from a bit of a mixed marriage in the sense that my parents came from different countries. At the time they got married, they were from different religions, both Christian, mm, Catholic, and Protestant. Taboo. At the time. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's very enlightened because I didn't realize that there were letters between my grandparents saying this shouldn't happen because they're from different right. religions. And, yeah. and they said, no, we're going to do it anyway. And I'm very lucky to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so I had the, 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 the fortunate upbringing. I went to good schools. We had holidays and so on. But I also had a slightly different upbringing because... I saw two sides of the coin sometimes. I saw this side and that side. And my mum is Maltese, so I'd be in Malta and then back in England. We lived in Greece for a while because the work of my parents took us there. Mm. So seeing different communities and cultures perhaps helped me be a little bit less prejudiced than I might have been in the very white Anglo-Saxon community that I was nurtured in. I think I was a messer like any little kid. Mm. Um, I remember making camps in the woods with my friends you know putting branches and leaves and just hanging out and that was fun and probably got into fights and so on I know I got into fights because I was taken to the headmistress's room a few times but sometime when I was around 10 I remember being in a fight with somebody at school and I was basically had him pinned and my fists were ready to swell into the fellow's head and I just stopped it was very strange I just stopped and I got up and I walked away because I just said, this is not nice, not nice for him, and I wouldn't want to be there, and what's the solution? And so that was a sort of recognition that fighting, I don't like fighting, it's not Mm -hmm. a solution. And I wouldn't say I'm necessarily I'm still, it can be an angry person. But it was a, a realisation. and that How was very you deal young. with that
0: and how you react and well, what you put sort of other thing. people through. Yeah, it's yeah, very it was, compassionate. It, was, it
1: showed my, it, it sort of was empathy popped yeah. up and in my way.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this nice feeling? Or <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, caution. It was more like, whoa, yeah. what are you doing, boy? And then I suppose as a teenager in high school, I did have an awareness of, you know, the waste paper. You know why Recycle the paper, put the paper in the bin, don't litter the streets and switch off the light when you leave a room. Mm. And that was just a sort of a note. And I still have it. So I still get a little bit. Why does my son not turn the light off when he leaves the room? But you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, we live in a very gratuitous society. So it's not even there on the list of things to do to switch yeah. off lights and
0: mm-hmm.
1: not litter and recycle paper. It's just not a
0: thing. Yeah. But for
1: me, it was just like pragmatic cost saving
0: mm-hmm. it made sense
1: <laughs> thoughtful moral yeah. anyway
0: and then did you grow up then am I right in saying you had a bit of a corporate career you were in the oh we're getting world. to that They're, absolutely yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when I
1: was in my late teens I guess I would have been 16 17 I told my dad I wanted to um, build windsurfers
0: oh because
1: I was a bit of a windsurfer and I loved it I learned to windsurf when I was eight I gave my first lesson when I was eight actually and you know I wow. pe- earned money during the summer teaching and stuff and um, I windsurfed down the Thames from Windsor to Putney Bridge to raise money for charity when I was 17. But yeah, I said, I wanted to do this. And he said, no, Tom, you've got to go to school. I want you to go to school and you know, get a degree. So I applied to school and I went to America. I went to a really good school and it was very interesting. Met some great people, had a bit of fun, got a degree in financial engineering. And uh, I looked for a job on Wall Street I didn't like the feeling when I went to meet those people, strangely. Mm. It was like a feeling in here.
0: Mm, in your gut. Yeah. yeah.
1: And uh, I got the sense that there was deception in front of me, Yeah, which was strange. But anyway, um, I went back home and then I was very lucky. I got an offer to go and become an office boy in Hong Kong or become a tax accountant in London. And I went to do the office job because I'd never been to Asia. I thought, I'm young, free and single. Yeah, travel. Look at the world, be the office boy, do it for a year or two, and then you've seen, and then you can take another step. Mm -hmm. So I went and did that, ended up doing another degree, and then I got a job in venture capital um, at the tender age of, what was that, 25, 26. Um, And that was the job that I'd actually always wanted to do in my innocence I thought oh if I work with small companies and we provide capital if they're small enough we can also provide advice and culture and values and choose the companies that we think are run by moral people rather than those that we think are only in it for themselves Mm. so I thought if we're doing this do it there because that's it's like with children yeah you create a good child you create a good (laughs) adult
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for people who don't know, because I would not be familiar with like economic or the finance industry at all. A venture capitalist, is that someone who helps, as you say, kind of provide capital and then guidance and has a bit of like weigh in as to what's done with it or what?
1: It depends. It really does. Basically, you have people in, uh, save money mm. and they save money by putting it in the deposit account in the bank. Or they save it by putting in the pension. A lot of pension funds and other big investors, they have a portfolio. So then the pension invests that in the stock market. Mm-hmm. Or they might invest in company bonds, okay, which yield some interest, or government bonds. But if they're professional investors, they might also l- invest in companies that are not on the stock market. So those are private companies and that's the venture capital, because there's no liquidity. They can't then sell the share the next day. It always has to be a private transaction, okay. so yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. that liquid. Some of the companies that people invest in are huge. You know, some person's going to put in a new wafer fabrication fab- factory, and they, and they need a billion dollars, or a power plant. Those are much lower risk. They're mm. standardized. Banks will be investing. Well, then you've got the fellow who's starting the new business up the road. Maybe he wants to do a chain of restaurants. Well, that's going to be, you know, if it doesn't work, sure. the money is gone. So that's what we were doing. And we invested. In, it was great. I got to tell you, it was a great life because you talk to the entrepreneur, you see the factory, you talk to the, uh, the, the people working there and you understand what's going on and you help them and maybe connect people mm-hmm. or give them advice, accounting advice, legal advice. Operational advice, export, and so
0: on. So you got to see a lot of systems already doing that. Oh, you're quick,
1: absolutely. Yeah, and in fact, that's one of the things because I'd had been around the world, worked in this field. Mm. I was already sort of asking, how does the world work? And after I'd been doing that for about five years, had a young family, daughters four and two, it's a weekend. I was on a balcony looking out the skyline over Bangkok from the penthouse suite and I peer over the balcony down into the building site next door. I see the the builders bathing in the corrugated steel tub of dirty water. And I'm thinking to myself, how come I'm here and they are there Mm -hmm. working hard to send money to their families up country so they can eat
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and pull themselves up? Why is that? It's people like me with the education And the responsibility for allocating other people's capital, people's pension funds, not just to make money, but morally as well, to make Mm. the world a better place. So I ask, can we balance ethics, environment with economics? Is it possible? Because if it's not possible, hey, I've been to the good schools. I've got the connection. I can steal good too. But if it is possible, I don't want to keep hitting people in the face. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel nice. And I felt that I had the privilege of opportunity. Although I'd only been working for, you know, 10 years or something, probably 10 years, I had a bit of capital. I had a supportive family. I had a place in Ireland that I could go to to reflect. And it was just a tiny little spot, right? It was the leftover bit of the once farm, the estate. And my dad basically salvaged that. He's still working. He's 83. He's still working. Wow. He started working when he was 16 um, and he ran out of money to go to school. And he is an amazing person. And yeah, he basically uh, bought what was left back
0: yeah,
1: um, from effectively the auctioneer's block.
0: Yeah.
1: Because a lot of the farm was distributed in the land um, reallocations in the seven, 1870s and so on. But in many ways, that's a good thing, because responsibility for assets is something which one shouldn't take lightly, Mm -hmm. and I think we need to reorganize that whole scheme. Anyway, looking down at the fellow, can we do things differently? Let's go back to Ireland to think about it. And so I made that decision. I think Pam's nearly begun to forgive me. My children, uh, on the other hand, are finding out what their father took away from them.
0: (laughs) As the, the high life and the... Yeah. The holidays
1: sure. and the clothes mm. and the new phones and so on. But they're great um, and, you know, they're not children. They're all how do
0: you find it as a parent kind of imparting your ethics and your morals like because it can not be hard like I don't have kids and I, I probably won't ever but I can see even with my nieces and nephew I'm like I'd love to have you care about what I care but like you say then your son will forget about leaving the lights off and stuff like that so how, like have you any tips for people to help or how you find it
1: it's not easy hmm. you have to let go I think letting go is one of the first things and I think that's letting go is big advice Okay. This is, uh, you know, I say it very quickly. It's just two words. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's a much bit. It's a tip of the iceberg, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah,
1: and it is the tip in many ways. In fact, I would say perhaps the first step is awareness, because that's what happens. You become aware of a situation, and then you can start to reflect and think, and then you have to let go of what you hold dear let go of your traditions, maybe, let go of your religion, maybe, let go of sometimes your family. Now, we're talking about family. I have to face into my family's past, which is documented history for the public to review. Mm-hmm. So, oh, let's talk about Pierce Butler. Pierce Butler was born in Carlo. Uh, I think at the age of the 11, he joined the army. He was in Canada by 14. But he signed the American Constitution as an American senator. So that's a huge thing for Ireland say, yeah, we've got somebody from County Carlo who signed the Constitution. And he ended up being a very wealthy person because he married money. He married um, Polly Middleton, who was one of the richest heiresses in America at the time. So that's all fine and fascinating. And there are some other fascinating things which viewers would like to know that, you know, he was a big slave owner, for example. And his grandson through his daughter... Um, is infamous for his philandering, his gambling, um, and his slave-earning. And he is famous for the Weeping Town, which is the largest slave auction in American history of 440-odd souls. So we have a pretty dark and dirty history in some respects. And I think I have to face into that. And I had to do that, especially when I was looking at Mr. Floyd being murdered in broad daylight. Mm. But that man... Pierce Mee's butler, he married somebody called Fanny Kemble, and Fanny Kemble was a sort of a famous actress at the time, a Hollywood star, and uh, she was fine until she went to live on the plantation with him, and she wrote a diary, and she divorced him after seven years, leaving two daughters. Uh, one of those daughters is my great-grandmother. So it's kind of an interesting history,
0: But it's a bit, you know,
1: then I see George Floyd and I say, okay. a lot of that legacy is from people like Pierce Mm -hmm. and Mies back then. And -hmm. and when I read, for example, the Confederate Constitution, which actually lays out as if it's a science that different looking humans are different species. Mm. It is absolutely shocking to me. Mm -hmm. And these sorts of ideas need to be rolled back.
0: Yeah, but it's really it's hopeful to hear because I think a lot of there's a lot of activists from anti-racism activists to environmental activists across the board who find it really hard to like look at systems and the people within those and go how can we change this and it's really actually nice to hear that you as someone who like and I can't imagine what that feel feels like I I don't know about my family history but. I know of people and I have friends who, like, they come from families that, like, have coloniser kind of mm. roots and were related to slave owners and had, like, a horrible past. But it's the fact that people can change and change their course of direction. You you could have chose to stay on that tower and live in the high life and, and kind of putting the blinkers on. Or you you could remove them, which you did, and I think knowing that people can do that, like at the end, everyone there is the humanity to go, uh, no, this this is unfair, and we can not change it. So I think facing the end of the history is so useful, and it's a really hopeful thing to hear that that can happen. Do you know,
1: it's who we are. Yeah. Actually, actually, we've been brainwashed, and that's again another big story. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's a lot of things and
1: uh, but yeah. It is. uh, Turning a blind eye is often what we have to do to maintain our sanity. And it's been very difficult for me because I do appreciate the fact that people need to pay the rent. Mm -hmm. Mm. And that's a priority in their own sort of set of survival values. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, they don't do other things which would improve things. They don't do things that they feel are better Because they have to do the rent. Because if you don't go to work, you get fired. Mm -hmm. And so there are these chains, this bondage around us. The freedom is given up for stability. I think that's kind of the deal we've accepted for the last few thousand years. I think what we're facing now is gross instability. And we need to take back our freedom, take back our choices, take back our communities, take back our connections. We've become so disconnected from the real world, from the natural Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. We don't eat food anymore. We eat processed materials that come in plastic bags. We've forgotten who our friends are because we're on the social media and the phone. So we don't actually have real human contact anymore. Mm -hmm. It's a very unfortunate situation that we've almost given up our humanity without realizing it because we're looking at the bright sparkly lights, which are sold to us by advertisers. Mm -hmm. So this whole idea of manufacturing consent. And so that's what we do. We think that these things are important (laughs) <laughs> They're not. They don't fulfill us. Yeah. They don't enrich our lives. They don't give us happiness. And that's been studied. Mm-hmm. So so my approach has been study mm-hmm. to find things out. To ask questions. And I would encourage people to ask questions and look for answers and challenge the answers. Yeah. Critical thinking. That was one of the first things I did, as I said. Can we do this? Can we balance ethics, economics and the environment?
0: And how do you, like, because obviously you work with Pam now, you have a company, Breathe, Think, Flow, or a, 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 I don't know, how would you describe it?
1: An organisation, yeah, but I, yeah. it basically it's a label. One of the ideas, the first thing we put was Astria. It comes from the words for star, and mm. Astria was actually the goddess of truth and justice, and I think that's what I'm looking for.
0: Very good, <laughs> and so is that the vessel through which you teach people what you've learned through critical thinking? Correct. and yeah,
1: also yeah. to dissociate me because yeah. I think what's important is that we don't put names on things. Yeah. This is not Tom Butler's idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an idea. One yeah. of the ideas I think that's very important is that technology needs to be liberated and free. This whole idea of controlling technology is holding us back. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. If you have
1: a developing country who needs energy, give them the technology to have clean, cheap energy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't make them pay for it. We've already stolen half their people and most of their mineral resources. Mm-hmm and things like that it's yeah and that's why i would say most of what we do is accessible openly on the website or you buy a book and you read it and then you do your own homework.
0: And what you were talking about things don't make us happy anymore. So what are, I know growing food is something that you do organically. Like what are the kind of things that you've found, like things that you have changed and kind of rebel against the the way the world is built now? Like what have you found in your little little homestead? Well, okay, in In, in terms
1: of, I'm going to talk about something not at the homestead. Sure, yeah. Because I think it's very important and we just spoke about connections and I mentioned relationships. Mm -hmm. There's a long-term study done, I think, by harvard and i forget the name of it it has somebody's name at the top of it but it's been going on for i think 80 years so it's a long study and they are asking people when they're 20 and when they're 70 what makes them happy or something or every 10 years they go back to people and they ask them and what they're finding and this is uh, endorsed by other studies as well is that what helps people live long and makes people happy is relationships so you may be rich as croesus but if you don't have a buddy Mm -hmm. you're dead You're dead and unhappy. And relationships come not from wealth and so on. They come from giving.
0: And it doesn't have to be material. It's like giving time, giving attention.
1: Hold a hand, touch. yeah, Give a person, as you say, a bit of time. Share a bottle of wine. Bake a cake together. Be with your family. I mean, families have been broken up over the last 70 years. Mm. And this whole notion of a nuclear family... I believe, to be a serious illness in society. It's not how the species operate. It's not how the animal operates. You can see the primates. They stick together. They look after one another. They're within spitting distance for the most part. And since the banks decided they wanted to give out more mortgages in the 50s, they've encouraged people to have their own home and to travel abroad. So now you don't have families close by and you don't have grandparents they have to travel halfway across the country or to another country so I grew up a little bit in that world because I was traveling I didn't have a home my home was where my mum was but my children have basically spent their youths in one place Mm. and I think like Pam as Pam had done and I think that's a very valuable way to live there you go don't let the banks break you up stay at home be in family businesses an extended family is what people are about not not nuclear families which are split out related to that is another sort of system dynamic which is which was basically revealed by ancient irish culture and Brechen culture. Mm. Um, I, another book you've got to get, you will love this, The Serpent and the Goddess
0: okay. Okay, by
1: Mary oh. Condren. And when I was shown this book, we were having a discussion about patriarchy with one of the <laughs> first organic farmers in Ireland, uh, Michael Hickey, and his wife, Ute. And she came and she showed me the book, clutching it to her chest and said, this is the book you have to get, but I'm not going to give it to you because we've lent it before and it never comes back. (laughs) She basically showed what is the opposite of the patriarchy or the counter side. Now, what do you think is the other side of the patriarchy?
0: Um, Well, I mean, opposite is matriarchy. Good. Good. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, my goodness, sorry. <laughs> right.
1: No, but it's, that's right. So that's what yeah. I was thinking. I was thinking, oh, well, patriarchy doesn't work. What about matriarchy? But there was something wrong with the, uh, the yeah. notion. And you see it today, don't you? Because everybody's talking about equal opportunities, which is entirely appropriate. But they're not changing the culture of the work environment, which is what we need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? We don't want pyramids of power. Mm-hmm. So it's no good having a pyramid of power which has a different kind of creature at exactly, the
0: top in the hierarchy we want yeah, yeah. to get
1: rid of that system yeah this yeah 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 and mary condren talks about the nature of the societies in ireland prior to the christian invasions and they were far more community based and you can feel that mm. in irish c- culture today it mm. still lingers visitors still talk about the way people are together and they talk to one and they hang out and they're friendly it's that community notion it's responsibility for your community as much as anything else, yeah, matrifocal or matri-centred. It's, it's a much flatter, sharing, collaborative dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I think that is much more human, and that's where we can go to. So that is the future, if we are to have one. Something along those lines. And I wouldn't prescribe a future, because I think the future is for us all to create together. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I say the technology is liberated. If people want to pay me, pay me for my time or some product that i Supply them with, like, a carrot from the garden, or mm-hmm. a, you know, a bit of advice or a training session or a retreat. But if you want to know the ideas, read them on the website. That's mm-hmm. free. Very so good. that's the general notion. I, I think there's one thing that we have sort of exposed. So there's the matrifocal idea, which I love. Have a look at the serpent and the goddess. But in terms of a framework for life, we basically put together ideas about how the world works. Uh, 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 without branding it or anything the term we use is holonic and holonic is actually an engineering term and the idea was that everything is something itself but also part of something else and that's what I found on a sort of mechanical engineering site in Japan or something I said yes that's what I'm talking about that's how existence works Mm -hmm. existence is one thing but it is composed of all the little parts within it but those little parts are still part of the one Your body, your heart is an individual separate heart, but it doesn't be a heart without being in the body. Mm -hmm. A cell is an individual entity, but it's a part of skin, which is a part of the body, which is a part of life. And that's how we are. All is one. We're all connected. And I think that's very helpful. We also looked at the pattern of emergence. Okay, so in the beginning, in the beginning, (laughs) well, let me ask you, what we put in the timescape, what was before the beginning?
0: Oh, stop, I can't think about that. It, no, it, but
1: think about it, because it's, it's really, good for your brain. It yeah, makes it sore.
0: Of it, uh, of there just being nothing. Like, there there could yes. have been...
1: there's nothing. nothing. But can you even think of nothing? No. No space. No time. Yeah. No energy. It's, it's no really, matter. Yeah. It's like, whoa,
0: <laughs> I can't do this. Yeah, yeah.
1: But that's where you start. guess that's where I ended up starting. And... And that's where you learn acceptance. Acceptance for things that you cannot know or answer. Acceptance for things that are outside your sensory perception. But we know through reason that, okay, that's when things started. Mm -hmm. And you can conjecture what happened before, as I have done. Mm -hmm. But let's just start at the beginning. And what was then? At the beginning, there was nothing. Let us call that zero. And a moment later, there was something. Let us call that one. So the universe is a binary entity. It's made up of zeros and ones, but very, very complex zeros and ones. Like our computer is zeros and ones, but it looks pretty sophisticated. Well, this zero and one diversification has been going on for 13.8 billion years. And so maybe it is like that. So that's one of the sort of reflections on how things work, how the world works, how Mm. the universe works. The sun Did not happen for 9 billion years. So we didn't have a solar system Mm. here. Our planet didn't exist for 9 billion years of the universe's existence. There was nothing. And then we suddenly coagulated out of stardust. And the Earth was a burning ball of rock, burning. And that continued for another billion or so years. And then as things started to cool down and condensation occurred, water appeared as hydrogen, oxygen. You get a bit of water. And it was the water and the heat. And somehow, through some accident, there was a chemical reaction which perpetuated itself. And that is life. That's what we call life. And it wasn't until about half a billion years ago that things started to actually get interesting. Until... We had an ozone layer mm. so that plants could go on the land. It wasn't until fungi started associating with plant roots so that plant roots could survive on land and could absorb the nutrients. So, again, that was, it took four billion years yeah. from boiling rock to get to some interesting kind of life forms. And they were still only just beyond multicellular animals.
0: Mm.
1: And it wasn't until what, maybe. 250 million years ago, that we started getting the primates. So, mm. not very long ago. And humans, how long have sapiens been around?
0: Not long at all. I think it's something like if 24 hours of a clock is since time began, all those years ago, that humans have been here for like half a minute or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Not even.
1: 200 to 300,000 years. Yeah. And one of the things that fascinated us as we were sort of putting this timescape together was the notion that we didn't invent fire, we didn't start using tools, we didn't start walking upright, we didn't have jewelry first. Mm. All of these th- th- things were done by the previous hominins, okay, erectus and australopithecus and so on. Yeah. And we inherited them in a way. Now, what we did get, which was, is our sort of killer app in a way, is brain. So we have a bigger mind and we can conceive perhaps of more extraordinary ideas. And this is where hominins, humans, whatever you, this is what I would say is where the emergence of consciousness is really happening. At some point during that emergence, some, some life form, whether it was a plankton in the sea or something on the land or whatever, suddenly had a an awareness that they were separate. And you need to have that kind of ego, that kind of awareness in order to survive because you have to have food, oxygen, well, oxygen first, oxygen, water, food, Mm. in that order. No breath, no life. And that's similarly with us, right? It's a sophistication. You start very young, you're an ignorant infant. When you're born, you have no... scope of anything and as we grow we suddenly become aware of ourselves and maybe if we're very very lucky sometime in our maturation as teenagers we start to let go of ourselves we start to know ourselves accept ourselves, let go of our ego because we have some confidence in ourselves and then we can far more effectively collaborate and strategize with other human beings and if we feel secure enough we do what is really human we give we help others. That's altruism. Mm. That's the human killer app, altruism. And when you look at economics, the history of economics, which we found out in again doing the research on the timescape, the same thing happened. What came before money in our economic systems? Swapping, barter. Barter, right. Oh, yeah. What came before that? How hmm? Who knows? Who knows? I'm just like you. I thought barter came before money. Mm. Makes sense. I'll give you two pigs, you give me a cow. It was barter, but before barter came gift. Humans had enough when we were hunter-gatherers. There were not so many humans that we were running out of food. Mm. When we had enough, we shared. We said, Oh, I have enough. Yeah, you have some. That is human altruism. That is who we really are. And if you look at the world today, what we see is that most people, 90% maybe, Our givers are the regular people walking in the street, doing their business, Mm -hmm. looking after their kids. It's really at the very top that that kind of stops happening. Yeah. And we become takers. So that's a bit of a dysfunction. And it's it's not so much a dysfunction as it's a behavior which is natural and promoted by a sense of insecurity. So we are prompted to feel insecure that we don't have enough we're prompted to think that we're inadequate. Mm. We're told all the time that we don't have enough clothes, we don't have the right food, we don't have the right accommodations, we don't have the right friends, we don't have the right label on our chest, and so on and so Mm. forth. So we feel insecure. When you're insecure, what do you do? You fight or run. It's the survival mentality. All of this talk about sustainability is a very, very shameful objective because sustainability means survive. That's all it means. And we should be thriving. We should be integrated with nature, imitating nature, reflecting nature, and finding the opportunity to engage our consciousness fully, where we're not just shoving more manufactured chemicals into our face. We have enough we be with one another. We reconnect to the spirit, mm. to the emotion, to one another. And maybe we can find a whole nother experience which we clearly have the capacity for. Right? Our minds, what do we have? Creativity. Imagination. A human can imagine the universe, can imagine the planet. Mm. That creativity and imagination, those are the ingredients of lying. Okay, yeah, so yeah. don't be confused. Yeah. Those are the ingredients of lying. So we have to sort of be a little bit aware. Is it a picture or is it reality? But still, I think the, the future can be bright. But we have to be aware and we have to let go. There has to be some of this acceptance. And these ideas are not mine and they're not new. They've yeah, been no, around for a long time. Yeah, they just should be in the school.
0: I think, first off, I think it's really good to think of where we can like coming from nothing mm. um, and the fragility of life itself and the look, the sheer blind look of us existing because I think there's just a lot of, take, of taking it for granted and I think that's so important and I, I think the listeners of the, this podcast are probably already there but there's mm. a lot of people in our circles who wouldn't be, like they just take this Goldilocks planet for granted. So I think that's really important to reflect on and another thing I thought of when You were talking about giving is, uh, you know, where what we started with as humans. I remember seeing something online about, you know, there's a lot of talk about where did human consciousness begin? Was it fire? Was it eating meat? You know, then someone, some some person had said that it was finding uh, the remains of someone who had healed a broken leg. Right. Uh, Because, um, I can't remember um, her name. Mead,
1: Mead. Mead.
0: I'm sure. Martha
1: Me- Mead is his her last name. Yeah. And that is correct.
0: Yeah, because because so to heal altruism. from a broken leg, it's you would have to be carried. After each other. Yeah. It's
1: looking after each other.
0: Yeah. Hundreds yeah. of thousands of years ago. Or, yeah. So that that and that I think is the root. There's an amazing book I would recommend to you, and I've said Thank it to you. listeners before. It's <laughs> called Humankind by Rutger Bergman. Yes. And he he talks about He's like a great oh brilliant a
1: great influence on the oh. world. Really,
0: really good. like Tax the rich. <laughs> <laughs> but, is it, but it was just so hopeful to, to know because what's pushed at us all the time is, the, is a Lord of the Flies kind of narrative where no. it's man eat man and no. that's, not, it's, that's not the case. Who
1: does that narrative serve?
0: Probably the, just people at the, the top. The people
1: at the top. Yeah. Because if we're scared, we do what we're told because yeah. then we'll be safe. We want the big man to protect us. And it's in everything. It's in everything yeah. we do. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: And we have to dismantle the pyramid of power. And by choice, by us. You know, it is our choices. It's individual choices. We all make the choices. And we can turn a blind eye and say, oh, well, my neighbor's doing it, so I'm going to do it as well. Or we can look reality in the face and say, this is going to be good for me and for my children. I'm going to change. I'm going to eat differently. Yeah. I'm going to drive less. I mean, there are things individuals can do to <laughs> avoid this climate catastrophe, which, again, I think people do not realize how bad it is. No. And I think it's, it's a travesty. That yeah. the people in positions of public responsibility will not speak truth. They hide behind moneyed interests. And it's not right. I mean, look what's happening in the Mediterranean Sea at the moment. It's just a frightful, frightful crime. And, and it doesn't have to happen. No. Because it's, it's fueled by money. It's fueled by money and bombs. Yeah. Money, bombs and oil. We obviously have to disconnect from that, the terrible fossil fuel addiction. Even today, I mean, when we started back in 1999, 2000, I did a, like, a little plan for our little smallholding. And you know, I was saying, you know, if we have micro technologies, we don't need to transport energy all the way from wherever it is, Russia, the UK, into Ireland. We can generate it in small scale on site, potentially, mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. Hydropowers and so on. And at the end of the day, we are going to have to be going to biofuels because that's a closed system. We haven't started really addressing the problem of closed systems yet. I I think we have a positive opportunity, but we're really throwing it away. I've been doing this now 25 years. I was late to the table. I have been operating in a large range of fields, from financial, industrial, Mm. educational, and the changes aren't there. And people are very difficult. I mean, take education. We're in education. That's our business. That's what Astria is about, mm-hmm. technology transfer, helping people understand new ideas. We have an okay education system in this country, but everybody knows the secondary system is dysfunctional, that it stops people thinking. Thinking is a survival trait. Yeah. If we don't think, we're dead.
0: It quashes creativity and just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a system that needs to change. And I guess for, there's so many things that need fixing but obviously we're all only individuals now you have said about changing things like the heating in your home you have said obviously that you grow food like and these things while they can feel insignificant i'll always harp on that they kind of do matter because you also never know who your your neighbor could be watching you and go well he's doing it so i i'm going to do it but they could also look at you growing vegetables they and do. going well he's doing it, so i'm going to do it
1: they do care you know? they do
0: and that's that's
1: some solace because yeah. it's a hard slog as you yourself know mm. it's a lonely march mm-hmm. and it's really lovely when you meet a friend who you know thinks in the same kind of way. Yeah. And the day becomes a bit brighter. I'm really happy to hear you talk about growing food. I think this is really important for people's well-being. And if you live in a little flat, you may not be able to. But if you can find a corner where you can put a flower pot, yeah. plant a potato or a cabbage, or tomatoes. Tomatoes are great in the windowsill. Mm-hmm. And then you're growing something, it reconnects you to food. It will change your life.
0: What advice, obviously... I don't know who all the people that the listen advice. to this are. So some of them might be in businesses. Some of them are parents. Some of them are youth activists. Like, what advice other leaves uh, would you offer to people to add to their book?
1: I thought when I had the idea, when we had the idea of Holonics, that would solve everybody's problems because <laughs> it was a simple idea and it worked. It was scientific and all the rest of it. But. I didn't get much traction. I spent a lot of time going to, you know, ethical investment businesses and proposing new structures and so on. And I was basically pushed out the door because it meant that they would actually have to do something ethical and moral. So that was really weird. And, I, and I'm just trying to find a way of helping people, everybody, that full spectrum, find their way their own way, because there is no answer. Do not think, like the secondary school student, that you're going to find the answer in a book. The answer is in you. We have the answers. It's natural behavior. Imitate nature. So we're trying to look for the simple answer, and and we actually came up with a little simple answer, and you mentioned it early on. Breathe, think, flow. So basically the answer is breathing. And if you want to help yourself, learn to breathe. Okay? It helps you control your urges, your your instinct, and it enlivens your consciousness. And, and breathing properly means being able to take deep breaths, abdominal breaths, opening a diaphragm. You can fake it. Even faking it is a good start. You know, when the kids are angry, they say, just take a breath or count to ten. All of that is to slow you down. The first time I saw a demonstration of the efficacy of breathing was at Be The Change in 2004. Um, a doctor, a medical doctor, was demonstrating how the body works. And he got somebody up onto the stage and and asked them some simple math question. And they, you know, you're on the stage, couldn't answer. Mm. And he said, "Okay, now take three deep breaths, sit up, relax, do the thing. And then he asked, and boom, answer comes. He says, "Okay, what happens is when you do the deep, regular breathing, it regulates your heartbeat from an arrhythmic cycle to a more rhythmic cycle. When your heart is beating in that comfortable way Mm -hmm. it sends the blood to your prefrontal cortex which is where you do the consciousness where you do the thinking where the brain takes over from the reptilian brain at the back so if you can do that even within one two three breaths you are then taking back control of yourself from that little monkey brain at the back who's scared and frightened and desirous and greedy and angry and all of those other emotions that we want to kind of Push to the side so we can just be happy. So doing a bit of breathing, think, think critically, think analytically, ask yourself questions, inform yourself. I say a lot of stuff, burble, bubble, burble. Check it first. And then flow. Now flow is showing, it's basically saying choose. Because okay? we have to make the choices, not be told by somebody else. And the reason that we say flow is because part of that whole investigation about how the universe works and about holonics led us to believe that there is a cosmic rhythm, a pattern of existence. And so if you can flow with the way the universe flows, you find your path. And each person's path is a bit different because Mm -hmm. we're all a bit different. My children are not like me. We marry people who are not like us. We know that. But we're enough similar that we will all end up in that happy place because we're the same thing. Mm -hmm. We come from the same stardust. We're built of the same materials. They're put together in the same sort of way. Sure, our environment changes us. If we're beaten with a stick all day, we're going to be sad and mean and so on. If we're nurtured, we'll rise up. And we can do that self-nurturing by a bit of breathing, a bit of thinking. And then flowing with the cosmic rhythm. <laughs> Love it.
0: Go with the flow. Go with the flow. Yeah. You got it. You got it. <laughs> it's, it's underrated. Um, that's amazing. Okay, the last thing we're going to do is step into a time machine. Good. It could be 100, 200 years in the future. And you step out of this little recording booth. And the systems that are damaging the environment now have been completely changed. That, like, we are thriving. What does that look like? And what are some of your favourite things about it?
1: Hmm. The reality is they're going, it's going to reflect nature much more closely. Okay, So it's going to be modular, it's going to be interconnected, communicating, reciprocal, exchanges, closed systems, cradle to cradle, not cradle to grave. I would really love global communications to remain in place. Hmm. I would like people to have ownership and responsibility okay responsibility is the word not control okay that's the problem with capitalism that it's about control not responsibility so we're much more distributed worker-owned enterprises so that the people who are working in the place are responsible for it families extended perhaps i'd like to see the integration of different communities and access we just have to let go of some of our traditions our patriarchal mindsets and maybe bring a bit of breathing into the primary school and a little bit of thinking into the secondary school. But, yeah, I think the future will be green and pleasant and happy and reconnected. And maybe we'll be thinking a lot bigger. We've heard of telepathy and these sorts of ideas. I have an open mind. I believe that the mind, if it's trained, can go to extraordinary Mm. places. Mm. We see that in the people that train their minds. Mm-hmm. The Buddhist monk who can stop his heart virtually, right? We can do extraordinary things if we stop grabbing stuff we already have. Mm. If we stop hurting our neighbor, if we start helping the poor family that needs a hand. And we see that all over the cities. We have to, we have to disintegrate the cities. Cities are clearly dysfunctional. Where's the food? hmm They're just way too big. These monolithic notions, large companies, same deal, bigger than countries. And I think the companies themselves, they have to face the reality. I mean, one of the greatest ironies is this company Unilever going around thinking that they're an ecological company as they spew chemicals all over the planet in plastic bottles. Mm. I mean, shut up. Stop selling poisons to people who don't need them. We don't need to put chemicals on our heads and our faces and on our bodies and in our bars and our laundry. Water is a good thing too. So, whew, you're getting me going there again, (laughs) Kira.
0: There's a lot, there's so much to do, but I, I do this exercise because of how difficult it is and inspired by the work of Rob Hopkins, who wrote a book called From What Is to What If, The Power of Imagination to Build a Better World. And he says that we're not just in it, a climate crisis, like we're in a crisis of the imagination, things are terrible right now and so many people just take the systems that we're in as what it has to be because it's always been this way, yeah. it has to be this no, way no, no, and no. it is art and creativity to spark- that sparks thinking mm. to get us out of it and it is the imagination
1: which are human traits. Yeah. It's
0: archipelic. Yeah. I
1: totally agree. Yeah. Well, so, that's why we're where we are. Yeah. Oh, doing 100%. Doing it differently.
0: So I hope some people, uh, you've given so much, not only do you give so much food from your little homestead, <laughs> girl, you've given so much food for thought. Well, any time you're down in Carlo, I've got a spade, you know. Yeah, yeah, in yeah. hand. <laughs> if anyone's near Tullow, get in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, Tom, I'm so I'm so grateful for for all the work that you do and for for the. Way you inspire people, and you're such a big thinker that I'm like, what? Like, there's so much. Like, we go back, and I know big picture thinking. This, big picture thinking. It is. Yeah. yeah, it's the
1: big picture. Exactly, it's the big picture.
0: Yeah. So I I will link the books that you've mentioned and uh, your website, and where people can find you and your socials and everything like that in the description for the podcast. And, yeah. Now I hope you guys enjoyed that or got some nourishment out of it. The same way I did. It was very inspiring. Uh, what a what a journey Tom and his family have been on. It's so, so interesting. And as I said, you can find a link to their website where there's loads of information, all the different books and everything like that that are there. And of course, if you can support their farm and the local farmer market and everything, do that and support all your local farmers and your local farmers markets. They're the future. Um, Green Earth Organics are a great one to follow online for basically seeing the work that farmers especially organic farmers put into growing food for our plates and uh, it's been really educational because obviously they get shafted by the supermarkets quite a lot so it really is important to support your farmers directly if you can. So any kind of community supported agriculture schemes that you can sign on to or as I said, local farmers markets, they are the way forward. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a bit of a different one, but I thought a really good one to end twenty twenty three on and to begin twenty twenty four. There's been so many highlights of this year, um, but of course the one that we still need to listen to, I think, is Naomi Nihia Khan's episode, because unfortunately war still rages in so many pockets of the world. And uh yeah, as we go into twenty twenty four I want you to mind yourself, but we also need to mind each other. So Cultivate peace in your circle, but also bring other people into your to your peace as much as you can. And uh, don't ever don't ever lose hope. Um I can thank you so much for listening to this podcast for supporting Book of Leaves and I can't thank my Patreon supporters enough. I always pause the subscriptions for the hibernation period so no one is paying towards the podcast when nothing is happening except social media. Um buy me a coffee is still open for anyone who wants to contribute because I know people still listen or find the podcast when I'm not active on it. So th- I just yeah, thank you so much to everyone who has supported there please do give this podcast a review if you've listened to the whole season and you haven't reviewed it yet now's the time it'd be a nice little christmas gift if you could leave a review on apple podcast or take two seconds to give a five stars on spotify that would be amazing any feedback would be much appreciated you can send me an email and don't forget to get those voice notes or emails or messages into me about leaves that you've taken To add to your own book and how they've worked for you, or a leaf that hasn't been on the podcast yet that you would like to inspire other people, let me know the ripple effect that you've experienced. Or I'm just curious, what have what changes have you made that the guests on Book of Leaves have inspired you to do? So please get that into me for episode 100. I will be heading to Kenya tomorrow. I am going to be posting about that on my socials. So yeah, I hope you guys have a lovely January mind yourself mind each other this year let's make it about peace baby all right thank you so much for listening and i'll talk to you soon bye